You're tuning in to Taz Encounters on Faith FM and we are coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania on 87.6, 87.8 and 88.0 and also you can get us through Faith FM app or Faith FM website and that is faithfm.com.au Today we have Rako Chilet joining us from Bernie and Rako will be continuing with the series titled 3MJ, the 3M standing for movement, message, and mission, and J standing for Jesus. That is um, movement, message, and mission of Jesus. Welcome, Rako. How are you today? Uh, good, thank you. Tabitha, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Um, yeah, and today is a, be- a beautiful day. It's a bit cloudy, but it's um, it's warmish. I can say it's not that that bad. Um, it's a very big contrast to Monday night, which was very windy. And we had winds traveling at 100 to 148 kilometers per hour. Wow. And the winds were so strong. Um, I kept waking up and I didn't really have a good sleep that night. Um, were you affected in any way? Well, I wasn't affected, but uh, yeah, I do remember Monday night in bed. It was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, quite windy. And uh, yesterday, when I asked uh, a church member to send me some documentation, or I wanted some documentation, uh, she said, "Oh, our power is down." Mm. And then she had to uh, take her phone and. take a picture of the documentation and send it to me that way. Mm. But yeah, it, it does affect us. And uh, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I always try and look at things also spiritually and can I apply something from the Bible or is there something related to to things in Scripture in regard to the wind? Mm. And uh, I, I remember one time when Jesus was sleeping on the boat mm. and remember there was a storm happening mm. and, and Jesus was sleeping and uh, he he had a pillow under his head and that's the only time the word pillow uh, I believe uh, appears in scripture I'm sure there were people who were sleeping peacefully on Monday night <laughs> <laughs> true 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 they weren't afraid of that because they know there's bigger things to come down the track yeah um, the other story I think of remember Jesus uh, the story of him walking on the water yeah and the disciples thought, oh, this is a ghost. And he said, it is I, be of good cheer. And then you have Peter uh, saying to Jesus, well, if it is you, well, let me come to you. Mm-hmm. And he begins to walk on water. And as he begins to walk on water, he sees a boisterous wind and he begins to sink. And he, 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 he says out, Lord, save me, the shortest prayer in the Bible, and he is saved. Mm-hmm. But even prior to that, Jesus gave the disciples directions. He said, hey, get into a boat and go. And that was to go without him. And as you read the Bible and you find the story in three parts of the gospel books, in Matthew 14, mm-hmm. in Mark chapter 6, and John chapter 6, in, in Matthew 14, uh, and it says there, I'm just trying to find it now here. Oh, mm-hmm. yep. Verse 24, he says, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the we- waves, for the wind was contrary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go to John's account, and it mentions there uh, how there was a great wind, and it was blowing. But what's interesting, and, and, and the way I know these things is because on Friday night, I was with the young people um, 
from Bernie Church, and we met at, at a person's uh, place, and we had a good time of fellowship and food, and then we looked at this story. So that's why it's fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. And we read all the different uh, three accounts because each gospel book um, will talk about the same story, mm-hmm. um, and then from a different angle. And so in Mark chapter six, this caught my attention, which I never saw. Then he saw them. This is Jesus. He saw the disciples. They were straining at rowing, mm. for the wind was against them. So imagine you're trying to row, but you're really kind of not getting anywhere because the wind is straining you, you know? Mm. And, 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 and sometimes I think that's what the devil's like too, you know? He, you're trying to get somewhere, but you can't, you can't, you can't. And, and the only way to get from point A to point B, you know, if there's challenges, there's difficulties, we still need Christ. We need to rely on Christ to help us. Mm. And, and, and in the Bible, uh, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians, uh, where it also talks about uh, every wind of doctrine, um, which is trickery of men. Um, you know, there's cunningness and there's deceitful plotting. So sometimes we could be even sharing things of a biblical nature, mm-hmm. and it could be like you're straining. It's difficult because, you know, there's this wind, you know, the devil's pushing. And, you know, we war against principalities and powers, you know, not against human beings. You know, there's a great controversy out there today. Mm, indeed, and tomorrow is forecasted to be windy and wet, so I hope we will all brave brace <laughs> ourselves for the harsh weather conditions and be careful while driving on the roads. Um, just remind our listeners of our show number, um, 0488-880-891, save um, as stars and counters if you haven't saved the number, and we'd like to hear any questions, feedback, or comments from you. Um, so t- I understand today we're talking about, uh, you're going to talk about the abomination of desolation, part two. And right. do you want to just do a summary of where we've come from and yeah, get into today's topic? Yeah, let's have a prayer before we do. Sure. Dear Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that we can talk about the abomination of desolation. This is part two, and I pray that you will uh, teach us, guide us. Lord, I'll be sharing some history today, and I pray that uh, things can be communicated in a clear manner. And I pray for the uh, for the power of the Holy Spirit to lead. Bless us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to just quickly revise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really important. And so we're going to go to Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. And last time we read verses 15 to 20. And can you please read verse 15? Um, yeah. Th- therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. It talks about the abomination of desolation. Number one, it will be seen. Whatever this is, it's spoken of by Daniel the prophet. That's number two. And we saw that this is spoken of in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. It has to do with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, but not just the temple, but also the city. Mm. This abomination of desolation is is standing in a holy place. And this is where we kind of finished last time, and we're going to expand on this soon. Mm -hmm. And then it says, number four, whoever reads, let him understand. And then in verse 16, what's the next thing that is, what warning or message is given here? Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So when you see, you flee. And then verse 17 and 18, please. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. 
Now, remember last time, there was a question that I asked you, and then we went for the break, and we never came back to that question, and that was in relation to what is the second shortest Bible verse uh, Um, in, in the Bible? Yes, I believe it's um, to do with Lord's wife. Remember Lord's wife? Exactly. This is Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Mm. Because she did flee from Sodom and Gomorrah. She Mm. did flee, but her heart did not flee. Mm. You know? And and so, you know, I'll probably touch on Lot's wife again, depending on time later on. And please read verse 19. Uh, But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And then it says in verse 20, And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Mm. So we read this scriptural verses, uh, the, this passage, and then in the next Bible verse, verse 21, it talks about the Great Tribulation, and that will be next week's episode. There's a parallel account of this also found in Mark 13 and Luke chapter 21. And in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, I know you have the Bible there open. Can you please read that for us, Tabitha? Sure. Um, yeah, there's a title there, The Destruction of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its, its desolation is near. It's a little bit different than Matthew's account. It talks about when you see the armies surrounding uh, the city, then you know that its desolation is near. And this is also in relation to the abomination of desolation. Mm. The word abomination in the original language could be translated as abomination or something that is detestable or idolatry. Mm. And... uh, Desolation means destruction, something that is destroyed. Mm-hmm. We also talked about how the armies here in this context are the, it's the Roman armies. They came to the city of Jerusalem, they besieged it, and uh, then you know that its desolation is near. And mm-hmm. when the Roman armies came along, mm-hmm. they would have a pole or a standard, and on top of that, they would have an idol, an image. And their official image for the Roman legional army was an eagle. And so they would come in this idol, you know, conquering in the name of this God, we are going to um, take over and uh, we want to take over Jerusalem. So when you see these things, Mm -hmm. it's time to flee. Mm -hmm. Now, I can see our time is almost up in this section, but I just want to mention uh, what we're going to have to do when we come back. What's the difference between where it says, oh, uh, the... Abomination of desolation when you see it standing in the holy place and but in Luke it says the army is surrounding the city and we're going to talk about those things when we come back. Okay, and I have a question for listeners. Um, what sign or signs of the times has impacted on you most? Um, maybe changed your view of the world or second coming of Jesus? Just. Well, Let me name some of the signs that we've already looked at. Um, You've got false cries, Mm -hmm. wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, earthquakes. Um, You have tribulation, social unrest. Uh, Then you go to 2 Timothy, uh, and it talks about, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and the list goes on. There's about 19 or, I think, 17 or 19 points just 
just mentioned there. So, you know, people having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, meaning showing that they're Christian but they're really nominal Christians. So there's so many signs. There's signs in the social world, natural world, political world, religious world. Yes, please text us um, your comments, your thoughts, or your opinions, or your comments to um, 048880891. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And now we're going to listen to this song, It's Time to Get Ready by Malvinas Benland. Sometimes it seems I feel so well We'll keep on going on And I can get so comfortable And make this place my home Remind me, Lord, that there is more Than just the things I see To fix my eyes on Jesus It's time to get ready Today is all that we have We can see the signs are happening Just as the Bible says So don't get caught unaware Now is the time to prepare God is calling me and calling him today to put aside distractions and the things that lead us away to really read our Bibles and devote ourselves to prayer to know our dear friend Jesus for he is always there it's time to get ready See the signs are happening Just as the Bible says So don't get caught unaware Now is the time to Time to prepare It's time It's time Time to get 
Time to get ready by Malvinas Penland, and you're listening to Taz Encounters uh, with Draco Chelets. And Draco is talking about the second part of the abomination of desolation. Um, he did part one last week, and um, before we went for a break, I posed a question to our listeners. Um, and I'd like to hear from our listeners: What sign or signs of the times has impacted the impacted on you the most um which science has changed your perspective on how you view life and um just everything that is happening in re- in regards to the second coming of jesus um text us your comments um your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero um before we went for a break you talked about the abomination of desolation and um, spoken of by prof daniel the prophet um standing in the holy place what does this mean mm, that's a really good question because when you hear this this term or this phrase the holy place what's the first thing that comes to your mind i think of um, the dwelling of god like okay um, yeah. so the dwelling or the presence of god yeah. most people will actually answer the temple and when they say, when you mention holy place, they will think of a locality. Actually, and that's what I thought last time, but <laughs> I have changed my answer. Now I know better. <laughs> that's right. I, I, after the program last time, you were asking me questions, and and, and I was saying, well, go do some homework. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what most people assume and say. You know, they think of a building, they think of a structure, because when you go to the Old Testament uh, scriptures, you read about the sanctuary, and you've got the uh, holy place, and you have the most holy place. And... This is kind of confusing because some people might think there's a discrepancy here because in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, the armies are outside of the city of Jerusalem, then you know its desolation is near. And so, is Jesus giving us two options here? Is he saying that when you see the abomination of desolation Mm -hmm. inside the holy place in the temple, then flee, and when you see it outside, you flee? It's kind of like a little bit confusing. The answer is no. So, people assume that the holy place is straight away the temple of God there in Jerusalem. But let me ask another question. Is it possible to have a place called holy without a building, without a structure? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's is, possible. It is possible. So I now, think, um, yeah, there's a scripture in the Bible that says wherever two or more are gathered, um, I am there, like God is there with them. Okay, God is there with them. Yeah. Okay, remember here it talks about when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. So now let me ask another question, okay? In the Bible, do we have an example where something is called holy and yet we don't have a temple, we don't have a structure there? Yes, mountain. A mountain? Now, I'm thinking of a particular story in the Bible and I'm thinking of, remember the story of the burning bush? Yes, yes. You had you had God. He said to Moses, take off your shoes, your sandals, for where you are standing is what? Holy place. It's a holy place. It's holy ground. So, therefore, it is possible that a place can be holy without a temple, without a structure. Mm. Now, this now follows up with another question because we need to ask ourselves, how is this related to the abomination of desolation with the Roman armies standing in a holy place? Let me ask a question. Mm -hmm. The city of Jerusalem, it was built upon what mountain? Um, Jerusalem. 
<laughs> Jerusalem was built upon the mountain of Mount Zion. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. Yep. And Mount Zion mm. is considered to be holy. Yep. What is another name for Mount Zion? It is Mount Moriah. Mm. What happened at Mount Moriah? You had the story of Abraham. Mm-hmm. This is going back to the Old Testament where Abraham was to go and sacrifice who? His son, Isaac, Isaac, right? Mm -hmm. Now, someone might say, oh, because Abraham is seen as the father of the Jewish nation. So, does that mean that the whole mountain is holy? Didn't just Abraham go to one section of the mountain and shouldn't just just that be considered holy? Well, I don't understand all of this, but I, I, I take this in faith. Remember at Mount Sinai. This is where the Ten Commandments were given. God was on top of Mount Sinai, and He didn't occupy the whole mountain, but God said, oh, block the borders of the mountain. Why? Because the whole thing became holy, and it's the presence of God. And so, what are we saying here? That this abomination of desolation, the armies came along, and uh, they set it up, and uh, it was on Mount Zion, or also another name is known as Mount Moriah. And when you see these things, you know, the Roman armies coming along, they set up their idols, their standard, with that eagle on top. Then you know its desolation is near. And when you see these things, it's time to flee. And interesting, this took place in the year AD 66. And you're going, what? The destruction of the city of Jerusalem took place in AD 70. Yes, it's true. See, there were two, um, two times the city of Jerusalem got besieged. The first one was in AD 66. The next one was in AD 70, but then destruction followed. And now I need to share a little bit of history in leading up to the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Mm. See, in AD 66, in the Roman Empire, there were four people who wanted to become the next emperor. And the Jews, they said, ha, 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 this is our time to um, to, to, to get the Roman armies out of Palestine. Mm-hmm. And they began to, you know, pursue after them. Well, guess what? You have the Romans... Uh, A general comes along, and his name is Cestius. He comes and he besieged the city of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he comes there with the Roman armies, the Roman legions. And, uh, you know, as I said, they had a standard or a pole with an eagle on top. This was the official uh, sign. This was the official um, standard for the Roman legion, as I said. And this became standardized in the year 104 BC. And even Joseph. Josephus, I should say, he confirms this um, in history. And it's interesting because this Roman eagle, um, it, it, you can find pictures on Google. Mm-hmm. It's, it was faced towards the right. It had a golden wreath around it, and that golden wreath represented um, the orb of the sun, sun worship, and it, was, it represented the sun god Mithra. And the Persians, their sun god was called Mithra. Mm-hmm. And so here they've come, and then all of a sudden, this is still taking place in AD 66, you have Cestius, he departs, he goes. And to this day in history, we don't know why he left. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know why he left. Um, did he leave because 
um, there was a battle taking place somewhere elsewhere in the Roman Empire, and they needed troops. We don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. But I want to read a few statements to you. Mm-hmm. In the book Desire of Ages, on pitch 630, it talks about... This when the when the armies came to Jerusalem, this warning was given to be heeded forty years after at the destruction of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. The Christians obeyed the warning and not a Christian perished in the fall of the city. Mm-hmm. So as they departed the Roman armies, hey, this is when the Christians fled. And not a Christian, not a single Christian died. Mm-hmm. But then let me read the book Great Controversy, and that's also our giveaway. Mm-hmm. On page twenty five Matthew 24, verse 15 and 16 is quoted, and Luke 21, verse 20 and 21 is quoted. And then it says this, When the idolatrous standards of the Romans should be set up in the holy ground, which extended some furlongs Mm. outside the city walls. And you're like, what? The the, the idolatrous standards were set up some furlongs? The question is, what's a furlong? Well, this is actually a Greek measurement unit. This this term furlong is actually found in Scripture, in Revelation 21 and verse 16. And one furlong equates about 606 feet, which is approximately about 185 meters. And here it says some furlongs, you know, it was extended outside the city walls. You know, if one furlong is 185 meters, Furlongs is plural. This is already over 360 meters. I cannot see that the Roman armies, when they came to the city of Jerusalem, they were right there next to the wall. They would have been a a bit of a distance away because if if the Jews had arrows, they could still, you know, shoot these arrows. And you want to be clear from this. So it says here, when the idolatrous standards of the Romans should be set up in the holy ground or holy place which extended some furlongs outside of the city walls when the followers of Christ were to find safety in flight when the warning sign should be seen those who would escape must make no delay they must not hesitate a moment lest they be involved in the general destruction as I'm sharing this story remember Matthew 24 it's events leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem but it will also foreshadow of things that are going to be happening before Christ comes back again Mm. so the person that's listening ought to be asking this question to themselves. How does this apply Mm -hmm. to me? How does this apply to us before Jesus Christ comes back again? Mm. And uh, I I see our time has already ended, and we need to go for another song. That's right. Um, Yeah, I asked a listener question, but um, if you can text us what sign of signs of the time has impacted on you. And for me, I would say um, the outbreak of um, COVID, it's really set me like thinking hard on um, what's really happening because, you know, COVID came and changed everything. Like the whole world was affected. Things were um, came to a standstill. And, um, yeah, we were all confined to rules and um, regulations, which we weren't comfortable with, but we didn't have a choice because, you know, we want to live. And, um, yeah, that's just cause it's very strange disease with, some symptoms that really hard to understand and um yeah that got me really thinking hard um yeah i encourage our listeners to text us um yeah the signs of the times that you feel impact you on the most or has impacted you on the most um and for now we're going to listen to this song the lamb wins by the lesser lights collective Kings and beasts of 
that's the lamb wins by the lesser light collective and you're listening to Taz Encounters with Draco Jelic and um, Draco is continuing with the series 3MJ and he's talking about the second part of um, the abomination of desolation and um, yeah, we're still encouraging our listeners to send in their responses on what sign or signs of the time has impacted on them the most um, Draco, you've been sharing some history of Jerusalem. Um, can you share further how this led to the destruction of the temple? Yes, so in AD 66, you had the first uh, siege of Jerusalem, and you have Cestius, he comes along, and then he leaves. And as he leaves, he's also pursued uh, by the Israelites. And uh, this was the time when the Christians fled. They mm-hmm. fled, and we are told uh, we are told by history they went to the city of Pella in the land of Perea beyond the Jordan. But just keep this in mind: if you have pushed the Romans, don't underestimate the Romans. They'll come back at you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Daniel chapter two, you have a prophecy about an image, mm-hmm. and you have the legs of iron, which which represent the Roman army. And in Daniel 2, verse 40, talks about how the legs of iron, they break and crush, and this is a great fitting characteristic of the Roman army. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come back, and in AD 70, they come back. Mm-hmm. And this is about some three and a half years, four years later, they come. Now there's a different general, and his name is Titus Vespasian. And what he did was he besieged the city of Jerusalem, so you can't escape. And uh, we are told in the book Great Controversy how a measure of wheat was sold for a talent. And so fierce was the pangs uh, of hunger that men would gnaw the leather of their belts. So there was this, um, you know, starvation and there's this famine and sandals and the covering of their shields. They They would gnaw at this and great numbers of the people would still out at night to Mm. gather wild plants growing outside the city walls, though many were seized and put to death with cruel torture, and often those who returned in safety were robbed of what they had gleaned at so great peril. Thousands perished from famine and pestilence. Mm. Natural affection seemed to have been destroyed. Husbands robbed their wives and wives their husbands. Children would be seen snatching the food from the mouths of their aged parents. This is what was happening when the city of Jerusalem was besieged in AD 70. And if you try to escape, the the Jewish historian Josephus tells us, okay, uh, if you try to escape, then you would be killed, you would be crucified, and you would be placed on a cross outside of the city walls. And imagine, Mm -hmm. here you were, a Jew, an Israelite, you're inside the city, you're walking on the top of the walls of Jerusalem, and over the walls you can see maybe a relative or a cousin or a friend that tried to escape, but now they're crucified on a cross. Mm. And uh, in the book Great Controversy, page 32, it says this, the Roman leaders endeavored to strike terror to the Jews and thus cause them to surrender. Those prisoners who resisted were taken, were scorched, tortured, and crucified before the wall of the city. Hundreds were daily put to death in this manner. And the dreadful work continued until along the valley of Jehoshaphat and at Calvary. Crosses were erected in so great numbers that there was scarcely room to move among them. Mm. So terribly was visited that awful imprecation uttered before the judgment seat of Pilate, his blood be on us and on our children. And what eventually happened was 
Rome enters into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Titus Vespasian, this general, he had no intentions to destroy the temple. Um, but we are told uh, in the book A Great Controversy how Titus at last decided to take the temple by storm. Mm. Okay, He decided to take it but not destroy it. He determined, however, that if possible, it should be saved from destruction, but his commands were disregarded. Mm. And after he had retired to his tent at night, the Jews sallying from the temple attacked the soldiers without. In the struggle, a firebrand was flung by a soldier through the opening in the porch, and immediately the cedar-lined chambers about the holy uh, house were in a blaze. And so, yes, things were just uh, destroyed. And uh, even I read in a source where Titus Vespasian couldn't believe, wow, we've taken over Jerusalem. We've taken over the temple. Wow, we we couldn't do this of ourselves. God gave it to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are told by Josephus that about a million people, Jews, they perished in the siege of the city, and 97,000 people were taken captive to other parts of the Roman Empire. And in Great Controversy, uh, page 35, it talks about um, the survivors were carried away as captives, sold as slaves, dragged to Rome to grace the conqueror's triumph, thrown to wild beasts in the amphitheaters, or scattered as homeless wanderers throughout the earth. And so eventually... Jerusalem fell. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Romans were so mad at the Jews that they leveled the entire city. In fact, they even took salt and sowed salt in the ground, and they forbade anyone to live there. Mm. But now the big question is this. How does this apply, and what does this mean for us in the time of the end that we're living in? Mm. See, you have this army. Mm-hmm. An army, well, this is military power, but it's really, in fact, it's it's backed up by politicians, political power. So, army is something that is political. Mm. And then you have this uh, abomination. An abomination is something that is an idol or detestable. It's abominable. It's idolatry. So, it's religious. Mm-hmm. So, here you have the combination of politics and religion, or church and state. Mm -hmm. And when you put these together, guess what? It never ends well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Think of King Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible. Mm -hmm. He was a king, a political leader, and he also wanted to be worshipped. You read this in Daniel chapter Mm 3. And so when Mm -hmm. you have church and state coming together, usually you have persecution that follows. Mm. In 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 the book of Revelation chapter thirteen, um, can you please read verse one? Revelation thirteen and verse one. The title is "The Beast from the Sea." Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and se- and ten horns, and on on his horns the ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemer's name. Now, it will take a long time for me to explain all of this. Uh, first of all, you have a beast. In the Bible, what does a beast represent? Devil? Uh-huh. A beast in the power. Bible, it represents a power. Yeah. It represents a political power. Mm. And we know this from Daniel chapter 7. And this beast comes up out of the sea. 
And in the Bible, see, it's made up of water. Water represents peoples, nations, multitudes. So this political power comes up from a very populated area. It also has seven heads and ten horns. Later on in Revelation 17, um, there's more explanation about all of this. But it says he has a blasphemous name. That word name means character, mm. okay, in the original language. But blasphemy... According to the Bible, uh, Mark chapter 2, blasphemy is also claiming to forgive sins. Mm. Um, and, and so claiming to be God where you can forgive sins. Mm. Um, and also blasphemy, according to the Bible in John chapter 10, uh, verse uh, 31, 33, it is you're claiming to be God. Mm. So already we see this beast here. He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to forgive sins. Um, and so we see that he's a beast. He's political. He's religious. It's a religious political power. Mm. And uh, long Bible study short, when you look at all the characteristics of this beast, uh, John, who wrote the book of Revelation here, he builds on Daniel chapter 7. Mm. And in Daniel 7, you read about a little horn power. Here you read about this beast. It's the same power, but under different symbolism. And when you look at the characteristics there, and you look at the characteristics here, and you identify who this beast is, um, it's actually the, the papacy. Or, it, see, you have um, pagan Rome, which is just known for having political power but then you have the papacy which has both political and religious power and so it says here in verse 2 the dragon which is the devil gave him his power Mm -hmm. his throne and great authority and he talks about how it was wounded at some stage in history but then it talks about how this deadly wound would be healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. And this is something in the future. And uh, I, I know there's so much more I need to share. <laughs> yeah, sorry to cut you, but it's time to take another break. And uh, yeah, I think you can continue with that after the break. Uh, before we take a break, um, I'm going to mention the offer for today, which is The Great Controversy, The Global War on Freedom. I believe we've given this book for... We've been giving this offer for a while, but I believe it is a book that you never want to miss because this book by Ellen White um, tells the life story of Jesus Christ uh, by presenting meaningful events um, so vividly that you'll feel like you're an eyewitness to what is being described. And through that, you get to understand the true underlying significance of Christ's deeds and their bearing of your own life. Uh, we're going to we'll give you the code to get the book after the break. Um, now we're going to listen to this song "Find Us Faithful" by Christina Beldell. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road and those who've gone before us line the way cheering on the faithful encouraging the weary their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race not only for the prize 
But as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their Find us faithful After all Our hopes and dreams Have come and gone And our children sift Through all we've left behind May the clues that they discover And the memories they uncover Become the light that leads them To the road we each must find Oh, may all who come behind us Find us faithful May the fire of our devotion Light their way the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful May the fire Let's find us faithful by Christina Bardell. And you're listening to Tazi Encounters with Draco Tillich. Uh Before we went for a break, I promised to give you the code to get today's offer, which is the book, The Great Controversy, um, The Global War on Freedom. And the code to get the book is 3MJ3, um, text 3MJ3, number 3, no spaces in between, to 0488880891. To get the book, um, The Great Controversy, The Great, the Global War on Freedom by Ellen White. Um, Raku, before um, we went for a break, we were looking at uh, Revelation 13 and 
I got too short. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's um, okay. Can you just make it more clear, clear uh, how this relates to us today? I will. I, I think I need to communicate something which is really important, and that is that, yeah, I did mention that this first beast represents the, the Roman Catholic uh, mm-hmm. system or church, and it's not about going against people. It's about, hey, we're... we're looking at what the Bible teaches and, you know, we want to follow what the Bible teaches. And I want to make this really clear. Mm-hmm. God still has his people in these churches. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are just ignorant. They don't know the scriptures better. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of them are loving people and they're very devotional to, to what they know. My mom used to be a Roman Catholic and then she became a Protestant Christian. The other thing I want to mention is to someone who's listening, this might be new. What? This beast represents the Roman Catholic system or church, and uh, I can't explain everything, and I'm sure if you uh, text us or if you go to Faith FM website and you request a Bible study uh, on this topic, I'm sure these things, um, you can get more information and find out more um, this beast. Let me just continue. How does this apply to us? In this chapter of Revelation 13, there's a second beast, and that second beast represents apostate Protestantism and United States in Bible prophecy. Whoa, I just said something really huge. And again, there's Bible studies to confirm that and to identify that it represents the USA in Bible prophecy. And so this second beast, this, this political power, it will try, its main objective is to give all power to the first beast, to the papacy. And then in Revelation uh, 13, and can you please read verse 16 and 17, Tabitha? Yeah, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or um, on their forehead and that no one may buy or sell except one that has the mark or the name of the beast, the number of his name. Here it talks about a mark. You receive it in your hand. This is not literal. Hand in the Bible represents actions. In the forehead, this is not something that's literally a tattooed on your forehead, but it's in the mind. And uh, those who are having it in the hand, they're just following the crowd. Those who have it in the forehead or in the mind, you know, they are really convinced with this mark. This word mark can also be translated as sign or token. And we already know who the beast is. So we just have to ask the beast, what is your mark? And they even tell us in their right that the mark of their ecclesiastical or church authority is Sunday worship. Mm. Wow. So, in the future, there is something going to be of forcing everyone to worship on Sunday. And the Bible teaches that the true day of worship is the Sabbath or Saturday, which is the seventh day of the week. Mm. Now, remember, going back to Matthew 24, it talks about abomination of desolation. Abomination is something that is an idol. And it's very interesting that, let me ask you a few questions. Remember, you had an eagle. It had a golden wreath around it. It represented the sun. Um, Did God ever tell us to worship the sun? No. No, if I worship the sun, he says, "Do not worship any, anyone or anything." Anything. So, so, if I worship the sun, that actually becomes worshiping. That that makes that actually means that I'm worshiping an idol, right? Yeah. Mm. So, you know, because some people are going, "Oh, if I worship on the first day of the week, is that an idol?" Well, the first question I have is, who created the first day of the week? It was God. Did He create it as a day of worship? No, it's a secular day of work. What happens if you make Sunday a day of worship? It's idolatry. 
So anything, um, anything that man makes and worships that God did not make for worship is idolatry. Mm-hmm. And in the future, I've read statements where, uh, and, and Satan's behind all of this, and he has agents. He's going to try and set up a spurious Sabbath. That means a fake or false or non-genuine Sabbath, and it will be an idol. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting here, it says you cannot buy or sell. And think about the time of Jesus. He's prophesying about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. The farms were usually outside of the city of Jerusalem, and usually you would go there and then bring things back, and you would uh, sell it, and you would buy it from others. And so... I, I would suggest that the abomination of desolation, there'll be a time when you cannot buy and sell. And the only time I see this in Scripture is when a Sunday law of some sort is set up. And it's going to be universal as well. I think I need to just quickly finish here up. You know, the Bible also mentions that when you see the abomination of desolation, don't go back. Mm-hmm. Now, is Jesus giving us a panic prophecy? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. It's good to have a systematic operation to prepare for the for the time of the end. But, you know, we need to be ready to leave things without a second thought. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and remember Lot's wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Job lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you know, the Bible talks about the perseverance or the patience of Job. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And I think the big takeaway is be ready. L- you know, look at the signs. But mm-hmm. at the same time, be careful because sometimes we focus too much t- time on the political signs and all things that are happening. But we ought to be focusing foremost on Jesus, His righteousness, on the cross, you know, what He did for us and that He died for our sins. Focus on that first. Focus on having a relationship with Christ first. Indeed. Um, thank you for sharing that um, part of sharing. I really hope our listeners have been blessed with your message. And um, just quickly, in 20 seconds, uh, can you please uh, mention what the book, The Great Controversy, The Global War, on freedom is about. I may have the wrong description with me, but I believe it's spiritual war. Yeah, the spiritual war. But, you know, that book is so awesome because in that book, you also have a history of, actually the first chapter is all about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, but then it goes through the history of the early Christian church. It goes through the history of the um, uh, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, of great Protestant reformers, how they stood up for their faith, and then it brings things to eschatological. That simply is a fancy word for end-time events and things that are going to happen. But the last three words of that book on page 678, it finishes off like this, God is love. And I want to assure you, God loves you. Amen. And um, for, to get the book, um, text 3MJ3 to 0488880891. And uh, what do you have for us next week, Rako? Next next week we have a huge topic. It's called the, the Great Tribulation Part 1. Okay, I look forward to that and I really hope you do too. And tomorrow we have Peter Watts. I'm continuing with this series, Searching for certain Certainty. And um, Peter will be talking about the truth about death. What really happens when you die? I really want to know what happens when I will die. So, and I hope you do too. So join uh, Peter tomorrow. We, he'll be with Jason um, at 9 a.m. to learn more about that. Um, thank you for joining us today and we hope um, you've been blessed. And wherever you are, enjoy the rest of your day.